This is the Modern Industrials Podcast, where we talk about accelerating transformation in the Industry 4.0 era. Our goal with this series is to help spur adoption of technologies that are critical to industrial innovation by talking about the current trends and challenges that we're seeing in the space. My name is Jason Heeman. I'm the Vertical Lead for Industry 4.0 at TXI. Today, we have a two-part series on tap. In the first segment, I'll be speaking with Jeff Yen, Vice President of Technology at Motor City Systems. Jeff and I will be talking about some of the unique challenges Motor City is solving for the trucking industry through their software systems. We'll also discuss their Roller products, a mobile application that TXI and Motor City partnered on to develop. In part two, I'll be back with my regular co-host, Patrick Turley, to dig into some of the themes that came out of my conversation with Jeff. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. I hope you enjoy it. Jeff, I want to welcome you to the Modern Industrials Podcast. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you and Motor City have been longtime partners of TXI, uh, but why don't you start just by introducing yourself to our listeners and telling them a little bit about Motor City. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my name is Jeff Yin. I serve as VP of Technology at Motor City Systems. Uh, we're a software company servicing the trucking industry, so we build software for uh, the companies that deliver goods uh, over the road. Uh, personally, I've, I came up as a software developer and ironically, I've spent my whole career building transportation software, uh, a large part of it building uh, software for shippers, so owners of the freight that needs to go from one place to another. Uh, and over the last four years, I've been with Motor City Systems building software for the trucking companies that are actually moving the freight from one place to another. That's fascinating. Is it just a coincidence that you've spent so much time in the trucking and transportation industry or were you were you drawn to that for a particular reason you know it's actually a funny story i accidentally got an internship at my first company out of college um, just by talking to somebody on the bus uh, on a shuttle bus from one campus to another while in college um, and that happened to be a company that built shipper software um, and i stayed there for about 11 years in various roles and uh you know, I, I, I love this industry because it, it really makes a tangible impact, everything that I do, uh, both good and bad. Um, but also it's really complex and it's always changing. Um, and so there's always something new, you know, you've got the overlap between both technology, um, but also really tangibly affecting people's lives. And I just really enjoy the idea of doing both. That's amazing that you would kind of so serendipitously find a, uh, a category and industry that you you find so interesting. Uh, it's great. Uh, I'm curious, um, you know, it's a big category. Is there a segment of the trucking industry that you would say Motor City really serves best? Yeah, definitely. There are, there are a lot of different types of transport that get goods from one place to another, right? <clears throat> it can be on a ship, it can be on a plane. Uh, we typically are, are serving companies that have, you know, these semi-trucks rolling on the road. <clears throat> um, or ones that are hauling containers that recently came off of a ship. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really where we're focused today, or the, you know, mostly those semi-truck type companies. Got it. And even within semi-trucks, is there like a, an element of the category that um, your or Motor City's uh, services specifically tend to cater towards? Yeah, absolutely. Typically, it's going to be like what we would call full truckload, okay. uh, which would mean that the shipper is paying for the whole trailer um, and they're not sharing space. On the trailer right so not the ltl side of the of the market exactly 
And so there's so many nuances in terms of uh, the business that these trucking companies are in, um, in terms of the types of problems that you're solving for them. What does what does the software do? How does it make their businesses uh, more efficient or help with their decision making? Yeah, I, this kind of gets to the root of, of some of the interesting problems uh, in the trucking space. So there are a lot of companies out there who are running software that is, you know, from a technology perspective, you might even call it ancient. Uh, you know, we, we talk about our, our cell phones being two years old and, and they're, they're, they're out of date, right? They're, uh, they're obsolete. Well, with trucking software, a lot of times you'll see companies running software that's as much as 30 years old. Uh, and they may have been maintained in various forms since then, um, but fundamentally the backbone of it is about 30 years old. And if you think about where we were in the 90s from a technology perspective to where we are today, they're just dramatic shifts in what we're capable of doing and the speed with which we can do those things. And so that's one of the, the, the challenges uh, that we're really excited to solve in the space is providing a platform for folks who have software that continues to serve their their primary needs in those specific areas but allow them to also take advantage of some more modern software and solve more modern problems um, just just by being uh, built on a, a more recent platform and and practically speaking like your flagship products what are they what services do they provide to folks in the trucking space Absolutely, yeah. Uh, two of our most uh, mature products are uh, software integration. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you imagine as a trucking company, you have a lot of different systems that do different things, right? You've got a system that manages uh, the work that you're committing to with your customers mm -hmm. and assigning drivers uh, to those loads and, and consolidating uh, different shipments onto trailers. Um, and then you've also got uh, other systems that are tracking where the driver is and how many hours they have left to drive on that particular day, all the way up to is the temperature inside of my trailer appropriate for the goods that are inside of it. Um, and so with all of these different software solutions providing these different little you know sections of the operation, um, integration becomes really important. Because if you've, if you've got to go to one place for some data and another place for some other data and another place for you know, your third set of data, but all of it is operationally really important, it makes your, your, your job really hard if it's your job to maintain all of that and make good decisions based on all of that data at one time. And so that's one of those products in Torque uh, where we do a, a lot of these types of integrations, but rather than building you know, bespoke one-to-one -one integrations, we're building them in a way that you can get them up and running just with configuration, as opposed to having to write fresh code every time. And then the other product um, that, that is particularly mature is our driver communication product in Relay. Um, and with that product, we're taking advantage of all of these different systems integrations that we have, You know, data about where trucks are, where trailers are, where drivers are at, how many hours do they have left to drive for the day, and bringing that all into a, uh, a single interface so that the folks who are interacting with the drivers while they're on the road have all of that data in their fingertips um, and they can you know more efficiently communicate with these drivers who are doing a very you know difficult job and actually delivering the goods and making a lot of decisions while they're out on the road it's a great overview i really appreciate that um, and those seem like really important problems that uh, that need solving. Uh, and you kind of teed this up by talking about the lack of, say, innovation or evolution that's even happened in the space as it relates to software driving some of these larger scale um, 
trucking companies, it seems like increasingly there's just more buzz about cloud-based solutions for supply chain management. Um, and Motor City, it seems, has been on the forefront of that in terms of how you provide these solutions. Um, are you finding it's getting easier to get potential customers to consider moving away from what have been, you know, historically, you know, on-prem types of um, solutions? And, uh, you know, what are some of the things that that, that opportunity is like opening up for them in terms of their business? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's definitely getting easier. You know, there are some folks who are who are ready to adopt new technology. They see the pattern, they see the future, and, and they're all on board. And there are some folks who, uh, you know, have solutions that work for them. Uh, and a lot of times you see that divide based on how sophisticated their IT department is. Mm -hmm. If you've got a large group of technologists that are on staff and, and they're full time and, and they're there pushing you, you know, actively on a day to day basis, you know, towards these types of platforms. And, you know, let's be honest, the days of installing things on servers are kind of, you know, that's definitely, a, we're seeing a shift away from that. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of IT folks, if they're fully on staff, they're going to be pushing you on a day-to-day -day basis away from that. And so for uh, our customers who have less of a presence in that space, uh, it is definitely easier now than it probably was 20 years ago to convince them that, hey, the the cloud makes a lot of sense. It is secure. You still have control over your data. It's still reliable. It's just not on your servers. Um, and I think a lot of folks are, you know, especially as platforms uh, become more secure and more stable, I think it makes it a lot easier to make that argument. Yeah. And it's allowing them to have like a more bespoke approach to the individual components of their management system, right, as well, when they make that move away from an on-prem solution. Yeah, definitely. And that's why configurations are so important, um, mm -hmm. because... You know, two trucking companies might haul freight for the same customer, but there's a good chance that they do it differently or they manage it differently. Right. And so even though they, you know, they're doing the same thing, they're doing it differently. And so there, there are a lot of different configurations. There are a lot of permutations to the software that, that we deliver to our customers. So I want to shift a little bit into um, TXI and TXI Motor City's relationship. Uh, when we first connected uh, over the idea that would become a mobile solution, uh, the genesis was wanting to create a solution for dispatchers, but that also focused on improving the driver experience. Uh, I'd really be curious to hear you talk a bit about how the team at Motor City came to identify that as, an, as a need and an opportunity for the business. Absolutely. The last three and a half years, right? I mean, almost exactly three and a half years have been a big learning experience for us all. Um, but I think if you really take a step back, one of the interesting things that has come out of it is uh, I think we can all empathize, you know, as opposed to sympathize. I think we can all empathize with what it's like to be a driver, uh, believe it or not. Uh, it, as a carrier, you employ these drivers and they're driving trucks and they're on the road all the time, but they're decentralized. And so if there are folks who are, you know, having the water cooler talk or seeing each other and grabbing lunch together on a, on a day-to-day -day basis in the office, these drivers are out on the road as a part of their job. And it's a lot like, oh, I don't know, sitting in your basement and working on a computer all day while your family is going crazy on the main floor because the kids aren't at school. Right. Uh, as a random example. And uh, and so, you know, out of that empathy for what it's like to be a driver and recognizing that this is, you know, you can feel really disconnected um, by not physically seeing your coworkers on a regular basis, by not, you know, building a relationship with people just organically because of the fact that you're around them a lot. 
uh, we really wanted to take advantage of the fact that we had this communication platform in Relay, you know, Relay being designed for back office employees, the people who are uh, giving the driver information about the next load that they're going to haul um, and really connecting them more closely to the drivers that are actually in the cab and making it easier for them to have conversations, for them to have an experience that feels much more like a consumer grade application. So it's not so jarring. It doesn't feel, you know, as, as enterprisey from the driver. Um, you know, we, we wanted to give them a, an experience that felt much more like, you know, your, your typical mobile app, um, but they just happened to be using it for work. Uh, and furthermore, by owning the, the, in a, the, the integration and the software on both sides, it allowed us to do a lot of really cool things that we're really excited to do. Uh, drivers and dispatchers are able to exchange emojis, as an example. Uh, you know, a Giphy integration comes up every once in a while. How fun would that be, right? Um, yeah. Now, you don't want to make it dangerous for the driver, but you also want to make it fun and think about how often you send a, a GIF just to be clever or funny as a response to somebody. Um, so little things like that, we just want to make it easier to build a relationship and, and really humanize these drivers who are oftentimes just kind of out on the road on their own for long periods of time. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I, I know that in the process of us working together, we all were very aware of the statistic that in some of these trucking organizations, they're seeing 100% turnover of their drivers in the course in the course of a year. Um, obviously, these drivers are under a lot of stress. It's not easy, as you identified. Um, and I think that when we were doing together the design and development, trying to think about how we could bring a bit of that um, uh, connection to the driver was a big part of the motivating uh, drive. Um, and I appreciated how much you all did as clients in terms of bringing the driver insight into the design development process. But beyond just that kind of uh, connection aspect to it, there's a lot of aspects of Roller that really make the driver's job easier when they're not driving, when they're picking up and dropping off loads. Why don't you talk a little bit about that aspect of it as well, if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. So, you know, communication is obviously really important when you have somebody that you can't see, that you can't roll your chair over to them and just check in to see how things are going. Um, communication is even more important, um, again, as we learned over the last three and a half years. And so for... Uh, for, for drivers to make it that much easier for them to provide updates on what they're doing, where they're at, what struggles are they having? Um, you know, that's really one of the big uh, pieces of value that we offer with Roller. Mm -hmm. uh, moreover, the speed of the communication is a major improvement over a lot of the tools that are out there today. Um, a lot of the messaging had been served by what are called pollers, right? So it would periodically every 60 seconds or five minutes or something like that would spin up a program that would look for any uh, outbound messages to the drivers, send them, right? So you have baked in delay intentionally in your communication. And imagine what that would be like if you were texting with somebody um, and they took forever to respond every time. It's just really hard to have a conversation that way. Um, and so that's one of, you know, one of, one of the big pieces of value here is speeding that conversation and making it feel more natural and really, you know, again, kind of humanizing those drivers and making it quick for dispatch to provide things like, you know, hey, there's there's bad weather in the area that you're heading into. Uh, you should take this other route, um, you know, a snowstorm in the mountains, it's not worth it. Drive a little extra and, and go around them. You know, th those types of conversations, if you have a five minute delay, 
over the course of that five minutes, you might miss the driver and they may not get the message in time. Yeah, yeah. You know, a persistent delay in text response. I think anyone who tries to communicate with a teenage daughter, like I often do, can <laughs> That's right. So I'm really curious, like how the response has been, like has the product lived up to that initial idea? What kind of response are you getting both from folks on the dispatch side and also from the drivers who are using it on a day to day basis? Yeah, so far that feedback has been great. And, and many thanks to the TXI team uh, for a lot of a lot of the help getting this thing off the ground, you know, on the relay side of, of the coin. Um, you know, that was a relatively mature product as it was. And so it was fun to put a lot of our creative juice towards just the mobile side of things. And so what we're hearing is, well, yeah, we're reducing, you know, we recently had a customer uh, do a white paper for us, hmm. just specifically talking about how they've reduced the number of low value calls they're receiving from drivers. And that makes everybody more efficient, right? Like the obvious thing that you immediately think about is, okay, well, the person sitting at the desk in the office no longer has to pick up the phone. They can just send a message to the driver using Relay. But on the flip side of it, your driver doesn't have to pick up the phone and call dispatch. If it's a low value communication, like, hey, what gate do I go into again when I arrive at this location? It's not a pressing need to get that information. You don't need it until you arrive. And so for the driver to be able to drop that message to dispatch, save the phone call, dispatch can get back to them when it, whenever you know, they're, they're able to get to that message. You can also make some of this communication asynchronous when it's not as much of a priority. And both the driver and the dispatcher can be more effective in their jobs. We've also continued to do some user testing with drivers that are actively using um, this app, you know, in conjunction with probably some other apps um, on their devices in their cab. And what we're hearing is, yeah, it, it allows them to do their job. They like the interface. It's clean. It's easy to use. Um, you know, I think we really achieved a goal here in trying to make this feel much more like a consumer grade application. It's great to hear. Um, looking bigger picture, like again, you're you're in constant communication with with your customers and try to understand uh, what their what their needs are. Um, have you, you're starting? Are you starting to get a sense for what the next kind of challenge or opportunity uh, or things to solve in this space might be? Um, not to say that the driver thing is completely fixed, but you've certainly made good progress there. Like, what are some other areas uh, where you guys have your your sights set? Yeah, that's both the beauty and the curse of, of the supply chain technology space, right? Is there's never any shortage of problems. Uh, if you would have asked me a year and a half ago, I would have said supply chain snarls and visibility at the ports, yeah. um, you know, but but I think that that uh, that problem has shifted somewhat. Um, and really, it's there's there's no shortage of them. Uh, it's really just kind of selecting which one makes the most sense, which one we can make the biggest dent in the most quickly. Uh, and one of the benefits for us as a team is that from the president to me, to the development team, our product owners, down to our QA team members, like we all have some variety of experience in supply chain, you know, be it on the shipper side or the carrier side, being a, as an operator or, you know, a builder of technology, like we have a really great diverse set of experiences in this space. Um, and so we have a lot of really interesting conversations about what are we going to do next? Where are the biggest pain points? And integration continues to be one of the big ones. 
Um, you know, the term best of breed, I think, is no longer in vogue, but, you know, you, you want to pick the right tool for the problem. And because every carrier looks a little bit different, they're going to probably make a slightly different selection. So there are a number of different providers that do very similar functions out there and they, you know, they do it well in different ways, but the integration, it always comes down to the integration, right? You need your team to have all of that information is it in as few places as possible that allows them to make educated decisions as quickly as possible. And so data integration continues to be that theme, you know, uh, uh, these visibility providers, you know, that that comes up quite frequently. Carriers uh, have to provide uh, location updates for visibility providers on a regular basis. And there are a number of those out there. Uh, you know, we, we talk about, you know, fuel cards and and uh, providing drivers, you know, just a, a forward on their next paycheck just so that they can pay for parking or showers or a safe place to get some sleep, you know, just really basic human needs. Uh, we're really looking forward to finding those next sets of integrations that are really just going to reinforce, you know, the the fact that we want to build relationships between dispatchers and their drivers, but also really just kind of serve these folks who have a really difficult job. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. Where do you think there might be the potential overlap in terms of those types of challenges the industry is facing, uh, and just the opportunity for innovation, right? Like what are the things that uh, could most likely be brought forward from a technology standpoint that's going to support that uh, data integration challenge? Like what do you all have your eyes on as a, as a place to begin to make progress? Yeah, we are probably, you know, if, if, we, if we do things well, there will be a lot of data to sift through. Um, and with more data comes opportunity to provide better insights. You know, we've all talked about machine learning and AI uh, at nauseum, but, um, you know, it is the reality with, with all of these integrations comes more, you know, responsibility, but also opportunity with all of that data. We could do some interesting things for, for our customers or enable them to do really interesting things with, our, with their data. Um, and so I, I, I fully expect us to really take hard looks at some of our data models and really think about if I was a data engineer, what would I want this to look like and make sure that we're set up for the next phase of, of all of these integrations, which is, that's great. You got my data from one place to another, but I need more insights based off of them. And how do I get that? You know, the data analytics and reporting that we have in place today is serving a lot of really important needs, um, but it doesn't serve them all. <laughs> so uh, we, we'd love to be set up for, for the next phase with the data. That's great. Um, question I'd like to ask you, uh, just thinking about, you know, how we partnered together between TXI and Motor City and thinking about the work that your team has been doing in terms of getting Roller out there to your customers and supporting it and getting feedback from drivers, you know, as a technologist working in the supply chain, are there lessons that you've learned or insights you've gained from the experience of launching and supporting this application that, you know, our listeners that the audience might, uh, might benefit from? Yeah, if you think you've thought of all of the main permutations you're going to have to support, you're probably wrong. I think that's the, <laughs> that's the biggest learning that we've had. Uh, we have some folks on the team uh, who have done some mobile work before. I've done a little bit myself. Um, but when you go from you know building an app that's kind of fun and maybe you share it with friends and family to, no, we're building an enterprise application here that's distributed across a lot of different technologies, a lot of different devices, and a lot of different areas, and you can't control any of that. Um, 
you learn a lot really quickly about, you know, your ability to support all of those devices out in the wild, your ability to recreate some of the issues out there. And uh, when you're installing software uh, in an on-premise system, you know, okay, it's this server with the, this patch level and, and these other things, these specs on the server. But, you know, when everything is distributed and cloud-based, there are a lot more variables to sift through as you, as you debug and, and think about your target audience. And I think that's been a learning that, you know, we understood academically before getting into this. Um, but, you know, when the rubber hits the road and you've got hundreds of drivers using this every day to do their job on a, on a you know, hour by hour basis, um, you really learn about, okay, they use it a little bit differently than we expected, but that's not a bad thing. Or, hey, their devices actually behave differently under this circumstance. We should really think about testing that more thoroughly. Uh, just, you know, little things like that, uh, just trying to anticipate more of the permutations and, and being more prepared for uh, automation on that front. Yeah. Would you say like that's made, that's caused your team to make some changes or improvements like from a process standpoint in terms of how they work to kind of support these different needs? Or has it been like new processes that you've been able to put in place and, and new ways you've been thinking about like interacting with the application on a, on a daily basis? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. Uh, we've we've definitely put more time towards automating our test flows on the mobile side mm -hmm. uh, over the last six months, um, and I think that has has led us to a certain level of comfort. Mm -hmm. um, but also, just getting real feedback from real drivers has kind of opened the door. You know, you don't know what you don't know until you get into it, and uh, just just getting that information, it's allowed us to okay, great. Well, we know there are a number of drivers using this type of device. Let's make sure we test that before we you know, release this for a beta with those drivers. Um, just, just knowing that there's a certain footprint of devices and et cetera out there uh, has helped us build new processes and, and push working code to them more smoothly. That's great. So now in the near future, uh, you're going to be at the uh, Trimble Insights event. That's right. In Las Vegas. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Why are you going out there? What are you gonna be doing? Yeah, so Trimble is a, a software vendor specifically in the trucking uh, space. Uh, and they're a large vendor that's been around for a long time. Um, and they're hosting a trade show out in Las Vegas at the Venetian. Uh, we've we've been fortunate enough to be invited uh, to serve as uh, one of the vendors. Um, I'll actually be on stage talking a little bit about driver communication and how it can benefit your organization, but also some of the tools that we've built in order to support that and make that better. Um, and so we'll be out there. Uh, the conference begins on September 24th and goes through the morning of the 27th. So if you're out there, we'd love to see you. That's great. I'm sure people would love to talk with you and hear more about uh, the work that you're doing in the space. But for folks who are not going to be at Trimble Insights, but want to learn more about Motor City or connect with you, where should they go? How could they do that? Yeah, so uh, they can always peruse our offerings at uh, motorcity.systems, so mo www.motorcity.systems. Um, and you can find all sorts of information about the various products that we offer, the various services that we offer. Um, or you can hit me up. My email is jeff at motorcity.systems, and uh, I'm also available on LinkedIn. That's great, Jeff. Uh, I got to say, we've all enjoyed the partnership uh, with Motor City. We've really enjoyed seeing the success of the, of the app out in the world uh, and excited for you to 
get out to Las Vegas and tell more people about it. So thank you so much for joining us today and telling us a little bit more about the organization, about what you're doing specifically uh, to improve the driver experience out there on the roads. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And, and you know, we've really enjoyed the partnership. Uh, you know, it's it a great kind of match culturally and, and we got some really great work done uh, together. So we wouldn't be here without you guys. I appreciate that. All right, listeners, uh, that concludes our little session with Jeff. When we come back in the next segment, I'll have Turley back with me and we'll touch on some of these themes that came up in Jeff's and my conversation. Stay tuned for that. Welcome back to part two of this week's episode. I am uh, rejoined with our my regular co-host here, Patrick Turley. Turley, welcome back. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good, buddy. So uh, as you're aware, I just had a nice long conversation with our good friend, Jeff Yin from Motor City Systems. Uh, he did a really nice job of explaining just the nature of the software that they built, uh, the mobile application that we partnered with them on, and just talked about some of the challenges that their clients in the transportation space see on an ongoing basis. One of the things that Jeff keyed in on, I think Motor City has largely tried to put in the forefront as they think about problems they try to solve, is just the data interoperability problem uh, that a lot of these trucking companies face in terms of they have a number of different sources of data coming in that are critical to how they run their business, how they make projections out, how they just handle their operations. And I just feel like there's a lot of uh, similarities uh, across people we talk to in the industrial space where data interoperability and just kind of managing distance systems uh, is, is a challenge. Um, what have you seen in that space that's, that's kind of interesting? And, and how do you think about that when we are approached with the client who's struggling with these types of things? Yeah. Uh, I mean, number one, I think this is exactly where uh, players like Motor City or, or lots of our, our listeners, I think, can add a lot of value. Um, the, uh, the general space of things like sensors or, frankly, a lot of different technologies that solve you know, specific problems, which is something that I very much advocate for. I think uh, not trying to tackle the world and in, 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 in going too far is definitely a thing that uh, I would recommend for especially um, people newer to the space. Um, but that it just sort of uh, it highlights the need for uh, the data engineering work that Jeff mentioned. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a real effort to, to generate a cohesive, consolidated data model um, when you don't control all the all the additional parties that are pumping information in, um, this is a standard uh, problem in in lots of spaces. But it's I think what we find is that right now um, the uh, the sort of industrial space is uh, it, it just hasn't been served as near nearly as well as things like. For example, the medical industry gets a lot of attention on this. That's basically why uh, we have electronic medical record systems that are trying to consolidate uh, quite a lot. And I think it's a similar time uh, for the uh, industrial space, especially with you know sort of the the boom of all of these various different um, you know spot solutions for particular problems in, that we see. Yeah, I think that's there's a lot of sense to that. Um, I think in the conversations that. I've had with folks, it's very much a situation of as they 
are trying to get a more comprehensive understanding of operations, they're picking things off kind of like one at a time. Like, okay, I have much greater insight now into um, how this machine's uptime is running. I have much better insight now into the temperature of my goods as they're being transported. Um, I have much better insight into availability of staff and where I need to have maintenance folks at a given time. But until you can actually, as we say all the time, turn that um, data into something that's actionable, um, it's really hard to get the full value out of the investment. I think tying those things together, tying those systems together is really is really the trick of it. Um, as we think about solving those challenges um, and putting teams together uh, for projects with clients, how do you think about looking for the right folks uh, from an engineering team um, and what type of skills are really uh, at the forefront for someone who you, who you want to put against that type of a systems integration challenge. Yeah. I mean, um, the role that's sort of come up out, out over the last, I don't know, um, five or 10 years, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like it's brand new or anything like that, but, uh, data engineering, uh, especially as a, as a specialty, as a mm -hmm. discipline is the, is the big piece I think for, uh, for us, um, obviously traditional backend integration, uh, software developers are still, um, heavily applied here, but um, data engineering being basically the discipline of uh, uh, extracting e the, the ETL, extracting, transforming, and loading data into into various different systems. Uh, I'm oversimplifying the uh, the space, and uh, our employee Alan Glarche is probably going to murder me for it. But uh, the I mean, the idea is is that it's a, it is a sufficiently complicated. Uh, problem just uh, moving and consolidating bits and bytes uh, mm -hmm. at this stage um, and trying to come up with cohesive um, stratifications of that, that type of information. And then, you know, this is where this is the preparatory step to get into anything that we relates to AI, which is what everybody wants to put on the label, right? Like everybody yep. wants, wants to say powered by AI. And so like, I was just thinking about, you know, Jeff and, and what he was talking about and He's talking about you know driver workloads or or various things, and that's an obvious place for AI to engage is um, to be able to take that data and and project out and see who's going to have you know various like you could project burnout and you could do give you know useful views for where people need need to focus their their attention in terms of shifting around the workloads or even maybe uh, projecting uh, different schedules that that might be. You know, better suited for the for the workloads and driver pairings that exist, and all that can only happen if the if the data is in in a cohesive uh, you know location. You you basically just just can't if it's all distributed and, and impossible to get at. How do you think about the kind of like prioritization, like when you're doing that type of integration, like prioritizing? Um, it's feed A, feed B, and feed C, right? And we're trying to make the most sense out of them or, or kind of bring them into a single interface. What do you think is the approach or the most valuable approach towards prioritizing which or how many of these different data points are really valuable for the organization and for the end user? Um, and how do you think about having your engineering team partner with either designers or product strategists to kind of make that recommendation so that as we're putting the solution together, we're getting the right speed to value in terms of bringing in the right data that's going to create the the business solution that's that's effective. Yeah, I think this is um, 
this, this begins with sort of that enterprise architecture uh, conversation is mm-hmm. you, are you going to, and I think Jeff kind of, uh, he touched on it, but I'll, I'll expand a little bit. Uh, you know, are you trying to uh, do the integrations and basically is it, is it a pull model where you're, you're going and slurping up information from various different sources? How might mm-hmm. that work? And, and what, uh, what techniques to be in place to make that happen? Or are you basically publishing an API and sort of defining uh, what the structure is and sort of a field of dreams sort of approach? Like you know, if you publish that, they will come uh, sort of feel. Um, and I, 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 there's merits to both, but I think it's it's about knowing your customers, uh, knowing those technologies and how hard it would be for uh, the average person who owns one of those tools to actually pump data into your space, or are you going to need to get in there and do the heavy lifting? And I think this, this sort of speaks to how your company can add value. And this is, that's a, that, that is a product uh, conversation. It feels very technical. Um, but we're, we're moving into a world where like modern product strategy is very technical, uh, especially for folks like motor city. Um, you can't, uh, you can't dodge that. It's not just about how if it looks pretty or anything like that, and I'm not. I'm I'm actually trying to amplify that. Like the product strategy world right now is is taking on awesome and uh, interesting technical problems, um, which is great. Yeah. So you and I are heading to Austin, Texas this week. Uh, by the time this episode is live, we'll have already had our experience at the Applied Intelligence Live Conference. Uh, I think what's drawing both of both you and I to that is I'm expecting a lot of sessions that really focus exactly on how does the, today's modern industrialists need to think about the kind of blending, uh, pulling those data sources together and having a very technical solution uh, to a to a product problem. So that's kind of what I'm excited about. Uh, anything particularly on your radar that you're hoping to get out of uh, this coming trip this week? Yeah, I mean, I, the the big highlights for me are uh, are two, two, two solid ones that are going to be, you know, full episodes for us. So I'm just going to scratch the surface a little bit. But uh, for me, it's uh, I'm excited to go uh, hear more stories about how people are are, are working with digital twins. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about that that ahead of time. That's that it's pervasive throughout the 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 list. Uh, so I'm super excited to hear more about those just sort of like um, actual stories in the wild. Um, and then the other thing that's that's you know woven in a great deal is the is the buzzword is is AI. Everybody wants to talk about it, and uh, me too. Um, but I I want to see some people get beyond the the grand posturing. Uh, I like I'm a little bit frankly I'm a little bit done with the um, the the broad conversation about AI is going to change the world and it's all blah, blah, blah. and it's like yeah man like yep for sure. Like you're not saying anything interesting, and so what I want to what I want is I want to I want to I want those those people who are peeling back the onion and talking about the uh, those specific tangible applications. I want I want pragmatic, real people, and I think this uh, I think this con- uh, conference certainly has those folks, um, which is super cool. Yes, yes. Uh, so I'm excited for the number of different topics we're going to come back uh, from that conference with. Uh, should give us some great uh, fodder for our next episode, which we'll be doing later later this month. Um, but your comment around everyone talking about AI is the perfect segue for our uh, regular feature of this of this podcast. And that is, what did we ask generative AI this week? Um, I'll go first. Um, I think I've said this to you before, I really enjoy using 
ChatGPT almost as like a tutor uh, when I have a subject that I'm just kind of curious about because I find I can do a bit of like a back and forth and series of questions and like, oh, simplify that for me. Uh, and I can kind of go down a rabbit hole on a topic much more uh, fluidly than I might just doing a uh, Google search. So this week uh, here in the Northeast, uh, it is serious apple season. There's like apples everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there are apples. Uh, I'm frankly overwhelmed. So I was trying to start with like, well, what kind of desserts can I make with apples that is not a pie or a crumble? Uh, and I got some outstanding answers. Um, I was quite pleased to... I assume apple butter is in the list, like, because that's what, that's what my mom makes every year, so... I do love apple butter, um, but the standout for me was apple sorbet. I never Ooh. thought of, of an apple sorbet as a, as a dessert, but that sounds great. Uh, and I was like, but well, you know, step two down this little rabbit hole. I was like, well, but what if I don't want a dessert? Like what type of like savory things could I do mm. with apples? And I got all sorts of results like apple stuffed pork chops. That feels kind of obvious, but mm. apple and sausage risotto uh, definitely stood out for me. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, and then I was like, well, I live here in New York state. Like what are the best local apples that I should be using in savory dishes? Right. I want to, want to get something local. And I got some of the, the expected ones, the honey crisps, the empires, the macoons. Uh, those are really popular apples here in New York. Uh, but the crispin was one that I hadn't heard of before. So I'm excited about that. Um, and I went one step further. I was like, well, you know what? Here in New York, what's the best time that I should be looking for apples? And they gave me a rundown based on variety of whether they're an early season, mid-season, or late season. So being here in mid-season in the New York area, uh, Honeycrisps and Cortlands are what I'm going to be looking for uh, to make some sausage and apple risotto when we get back from Texas. People go bananas. Uh, like you, like it is, it is so odd to go to these like apple orchards and just see like the the panic in people's eyes when there's no honey crisps it's like it's just like like it's ruined their entire year uh so i that's what i go for actually is uh watching the just odd behavior <laughs> you know, people watching at the orchard it's a blast yeah yeah it's my thing all right man so um, what was yours well, um, for mine, uh, I actually uh, just didn't use ChatGPT. I just have a I have a, a statement I'd like to read uh, that I wrote personally without the help of any uh, AI. There's that this is this is very real, very my voice. Uh, so I wrote, uh, dear Jason, uh, I hope you're doing well. Uh, I wanted to share some feedback regarding your recent haircut. Uh, while your personal style is important in a professional setting. Uh, it's crucial to maintain a neat, well-groomed appearance. Uh, your current haircut, in my opinion, does not align with <laughs> the professional standards expected in our workplace. Uh, I kindly request that you consider adjusting your hairstyle uh, to better reflect uh, the professional image that we aim to uphold. Thank you for understanding your understanding and cooperation. Sincerely, Patrick Turley, Head of Engineering. Uh, <laughs> or rather, sincerely, your name, your position <laughs> as, as chat GPT uh, gave it to me. I was like, I love that. I was like, give me a, a, a haircut complaint on Jason. And it was like, no problem, man. I got you. I love it. What more? What more need be said? I appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, I appreciate you restricting it to just hair, haircut critique as opposed to throwing like my beard in there as well. Because that oh, tends to no. be great. It's perfect. Uh, I, I, when you're when you're a bald man in this world, you gotta you gotta take shots of people's hair. That's it. That's the only <laughs> only thing I got. I will I will give you that one. I will give you that one. Um, and I think that is the perfect note on which to wrap this up. 
Um, I will be seeing you in just a day uh, down in Austin. Can't wait for that. Uh, and I want to thank so all of tacos. Hell yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Our ambition is to continue to cover the important topics and trends shaping industrial innovation from manufacturing to supply chain. And so Charlie and I will see you next time on The Modern Industrialist.